0: Sweet. Hooray both reports. Right. Hello, rips. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Saturday, the 4th of January, 2020. Happy New Year, everybody. We are back. I am Keith Upner smith He is Ty Delbridge. What up? And you are listening to the Podland Trailcasters.
1: All right, Keith, that's right. And let's say people want to contact us on social media. Where can they reach us?
0: They can reach us at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram.
1: And let's say they want to send us like a fancy dancy email.
0: We always like those emails, Ty, and we will take those at trailcasters at gmail.com.
1: And let's say they are listening to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever they listen to podcasts. What should they be giving us?
0: Well, thank them for listening to this podcast. We appreciate that. And we always appreciate one, two, three, four, five stars. Okay, yeah, I'm a little hype That's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love the hype, Keith. That's all good. And all this great music that we're hearing, where can we find this awesome beats that we're hearing?
0: These beats are what's getting me hyped, and you can find them at soundcloud.com slash beats. Please support your local artists as well as our sponsors. Uh, clearly speaking at Envy Adventures. Uh, so, Ty, uh, we, uh, two weeks ago we had Danny in here. Shout out to him. Uh, and... I don't think we intended for, a beat for it to be a two-week break, but that's what happens sometimes, you know. Family on my end, holidays as well, all the kind of uh, all the kind of drama. That Same comes for with. me. Had, yeah.
1: had a lot of craziness go on and happen that I wasn't expecting, but we figured it out. We got through it. You and I looked like it. and Now we are we are back. Yes. So yeah, it was a little bit longer of a hiatus than we expected, but that just we just wanted you guys to miss us a little bit more
0: exactly exactly build up some uh it's that supply and demand ratio thing you know uh, but we are back we're gonna have a, a nice big review today we got lots of games to talk about and we've got a good guest coming in here someone that i've been waiting to get on the show for a long time and finally made it happen so uh that'll be fun as well uh and yeah i guess we'll just jump right to that part let's get him in here let's do it He has been covering the NBA since 2011, and I gotta say, he was a huge influence on my own podcasting adventure when he was the co-host of Bulls versus Blazers back in the day with Eric Gunderson. Now he's working over at Bleacher Report. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Sean Hyken. How are you, sir?
2: I'm doing all right. And it's actually hilarious that you guys. I think we had like 200 people total listen to that podcast, so it's <laughs> it's, it's it's good to know that at least at least one of those people were you know <laughs> went on to start their own.
0: Well, it was huge, man. Honestly, it was it was great listening to you guys. I loved the uh, the dynamic you had back and forth. You kind of took the Bulls side, and he was the Blazers. Is that correct?
2: Well, because those were the beats that we were both on at the time. I was I was at uh, the Athletic at the po- at that point, I believe. I I don't, I don't know the exact timeline, and then Eric was still at the Colombian, which was where he was covering the Blazers. But yeah, Eric Eric and I have known each other for like over ten years. Like we went to college together at U of O.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Well, shout out to Eric, too. Uh, We had him on the show way back when. Not since Ty has been the co-host with me, though. So we'll have to get him back in here as well to kind of uh, round out the set. Oh, definitely. (laughs) So let's jump into it, though. We have lots to talk about. Uh, We'll get to the games in a minute that we have missed over the last two weeks. But first things first, I want to touch on the all-star voting. We have two Blazers in, uh, in kind of the top running of the the first returns, I guess, for the All Star votes that we've seen so far. That would be Dame and not CJ, like you might expect, but Dame and Mello. Uh, for the guards, Dame is third in the West behind Luca and James Harden, and Mello. Let me see. I had it pulled up here. Mello is eighth uh, for the front court, behind Jokic and ahead of Brandon Ingram and Dwight Howard. Uh, there's a few other names on these lists. I'm sure you guys have both seen the list at this point. A few other the names that are kind of strange to me and and uh, and stand out. But Sean, what do you think? What is kind of uh, what grabs your eye when you're looking at these first voting returns for the all-star game of this year?
2: I mean, i've I've never been somebody that really gets that mad about fan voting because obviously there are some if you want to just go buy the book, like of course, Alex Caruso should not be an all-star, but like <laughs> you know he plays. You know, he plays for the Lakers, and he's kind of a we, you know, which is the biggest fan base. And he's kind of, you know, become like the social media darling because he is a guy who doesn't look like he should be an NBA player, but he is. And you know, then taco Fall on the same uh, in the, on the Easter uh, conference. he's I'm looking at the list now. he's sixth on front court voters or her, or front court and it's like, and it's like, okay. Uh, like he's, you know, he's he's a tall. he's a seven foot six guy. His name is Taco Fall. Like the fans think it's fun like that like that's like, That's one of these, it's one of these kinds of things, like, especially, like, now that they took out the, uh, because it used to be in the, I think in the last CBA, they had one of the incentives for qualifying for the Supermax was being a voted and all-star starter a certain number of times. So now that they kind of took that out, I really just, I, I, I can't really bring myself to get mad about, you know, where guys are, especially because, like, except for, you know, Kyrie Irving being slated to start, uh, in the East is one of the guards and he has been out for a couple of months. And now we don't even know if he's, if he's going to play again this year or or any of that. Other than that, like I'm pretty sure like they pretty much got all of the starters, right. At least for, for for like who would, who would start uh, in this, you know, if you just went by the fan vote, which they don't do anymore.
0: Ty, what do you think you have anything to add to that before I, before I jump in? Uh, no, I'm
1: kind of with it. I've never really been one to get too upset about fan votes. Cause I think every year there's always going to be players like Caruso or fall who get picked by the fans. But then all of a sudden, by the time when the actual all-star game comes, those guys aren't on the thing because of the coaches and players didn't vote for him. So I don't get worked up about it. I always kind of find it funny to see who the fans are really behind that year. And so this year it looks like it's Mello Caruso and fall. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, I guess it's fair. You guys are both pointing out that the the uh, the coaches' vote does kind of counter this fan vote. I just I think what bothers me is how much we see the All Star games as an accolade that we put in in people's like Hall of Fame resumes. You know, this is something that we talk about for players long term, and something that we really kind of do give credit for. Uh, despite it being something that is fan-voted, and now only half-fan-voted, like you pointing out. I, I'm not I'm not horribly against it. I just do find it funny that behind Damian Lillard, uh, third in the West for the guards, is Steph Curry, who also is is not going to be playing at all, kind of like what you mentioned with Kyrie Irving, uh, Sean, although Curry obviously is not going to be a starter when he's getting the fourth-most votes. And again, when the coaches put their, their side in, I'm sure it won't hold up that way. But uh, hey, let's look at the bright side of this. We do have two Blazers. It may not be the two Blazers that we all uh, thought would be getting uh all-star votes when we had two all-stars possibly in the game uh one year but hey i'll take it i'm pretty happy with uh what mellow has done so far this year do you feel this is disrespect at all for cj is uh is he getting slighted especially now that we have a year where clay thompson is out steph curry is out a lot of these western guards who would have been ahead of him are now out of the way and he doesn't seem to be getting any more uh credit for it
1: well the blazers aren't winning uh, and he's not that's fair like making headlines he's not putting up multiple 30-point games. He hasn't scored a 50-point game like he did like against the Bulls that one year when he did it in, like, 28 minutes or something like that. Like, he hasn't really had a game like that, and also Blazers have had a pretty rough season, so I think fans aren't really going to look towards him because we're a pretty small market anyway. So I think, like, we have to be, like, the number one team or, like, top team in the West for them to be throwing CJ on there.
2: Well, CJ's just not a big name is the thing. Yeah. Like, like, the, the when, when it comes to the fan voting, these are all guys that, like, I thought you know, if, if you look you know, Steph Curry got injured, what, like three games into the season? He's fourth in All Star There was there was all those years where like <laughs> where like like Kobe Bryant was out the whole year after he tore the Achilles, he was still the number one vote getter or like Yao Ming back right. when he was playing because all the fans in China would vote for him. Like CJ, like Blazers fans know how good he is, and like hardcore NBA fans know how good he is, but he doesn't he's never reached the level of just casual fans who aren't following the Blazers closely, really knowing who he is or what he does in the same way that Dame does. Like Dame is a guy like Dame's in commercials and he, uh, you know, has, you know, had that iconic shot against Oklahoma city in the playoffs last year. Like, you know, he's a guy that like, just, you know, general NBA fans who, you know, only know who like the top like 20 most popular players are in the league. They know who Dame is. And Carmelo Anthony is obviously a legend and a hall of famer. And is a guy who's, been one of the biggest stars in the league for almost 20 years. So, you know, you're going to, you know, and it, and it's been kind of like a a big, a heavily hyped story that, Hey, he's back in the league now and he's doing well in Portland. Like, like, I'm not surprised that though, like, that's the way that this stuff is shaking out with the fan voting. I'm like, I would, I would have been shocked if CJ was actually in the, uh, you know, in, in the, in the, in, you know, in the top 10 of voting. And this is even like, you know, even, even in a normal year, like, like Lillard is ahead of Steph Curry don't you think that if Steph Curry had been playing the whole year and the Warriors were maybe further up in the standings than they are, that Steph would be one of the top couple of vote getters. Like he has the last couple of years. Don't you think that if he wasn't out the whole year with a torn ACL, Clay yeah. Thompson would be on this list somewhere. So I don't know. And the other thing is like, they don't even, it's not even just the coaching pick coaches, picking the reserves. The starters aren't even decided just by fan vote anymore. Uh, because a, a couple of years ago, remember when, when Zaza Pachulia was like almost voted, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah uh, like the entire is, country voted for
2: like him. i think like right like like draymond green i think beat him by like seventy thousand votes because like the entire country <laughs> and, then the, and then the next year like adam silver was basically just like hey no you know we're not gonna let let that happen uh and like they basically went to like essentially the electoral college where like they count the i think i think the weighting is like the fan vote is weighted 50 percent other players vote is weighted uh Twenty-five percent. Which whenever the player ballots come out, whenever the whole thing is, which is insane. I mean, the players always just you know, and I've talked to players about it. And I don't think any of them really take it seriously. They'll just kind of vote for themselves and vote for their teammates. So right. it's not like like I talked to I, uh, like I talked to, but back when I was on the, the Bulls beat, I talked to Robin Lopez. I think about it, and he was telling me that like yeah, he voted for himself. He voted for all his teammates, and then in the West, he voted for like guys that he used to play with, like guys from Portland, or you know, like you know who, like you know, these guys all just kind. Kind of vote for their friends. And then there's the media vote, which, you know, quote unquote, like there, 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 there's a certain pool of, of voters in the media. I'm not one of them, I, nor do I really want to be one of them. Uh, that And it's the same ones that vote for the awards uh, at the end of the year that basically they get a ballot. And I think that ballot is also weighted and 25 percent. And that's theoretically where you say, OK, you know, the media voting, these are people who like cover the league on a day to day basis and follow the league. They're maybe going to be more objective about it. But I mean, it, the, the whole system is flawed. I personally, the way I personally feel about it is, like, I, I'm i fine with it just being a straight fan vote. If the fans had wanted Zaza Pachulia to be in the game, like, I don't really see a problem with that. It's like, you know, Zaza would never be an all-star if it weren't for a fan vote, but if he, you know, gets to tell his kids one day, hey, I was an all-star, like, I, I'm i not mad at that. And it's not like, you know, if he keeps, if he keeps, like, Anthony Davis or something, whatever, whoever it was that year, out of being uh a starter that year. It's not like anybody's going to say, Oh, well, Anthony Davis wasn't an all-star starter this time. So at the end of his career, he was only a 13 time all-star instead of a 14 time all-star. So he's, you know, (laughs) this is, how is this going to affect his hall of fame? Can't like this stuff. Usually like they usually get it right. Except for, and except for Kyrie Irving this year. Like, I feel like everybody else, if you look, if you look at it right now, like the two guards, like if, if if we just went straight up by the fan vote right now, who would be the starters in, in, in the all-star like, for the guards in the West, it would be Luka and Harden. And then in the front court, yeah. it would be LeBron, Davis, and Kawhi. And then in the East, it's Trey Young and Kyrie Irving. And then in the and then the front court, it's Giannis, Embiid, and Siakam. Like, except for Kyrie, like, they kind of got that's, it right.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty spot on, actually. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that's fair. I guess there's not a whole lot to complain about. And you do make a fair point that, okay, if someone... These guys that would be losing the all-star vote because of a fan vote, you're talking about a starting spot at that point, and most of the starters are going to have more than enough all-star accolades where the, you're splitting hairs, really, I guess, is the point. I I hadn't looked at that, that it would be specifically about starters, so you're not really looking at a guy who would be like a fringe all-star player throughout his career, and so he really needs those all-star years. Uh, each one counts for his kind of Hall of Fame resume, I guess. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's a legit point. I, I guess I will have to accept that. But I do want to get both of you on record then because, inevitably... Down the road, when something screws up, someone will be in there some weird ass voter. You both are saying, uh, or some uh, weird ass candidate, I guess, because of those. You're both saying that you are good with how the all star voting system is right now. There's nothing you would change about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, I don't, I, I just don't put too much thought into it. So unless I have like a detailed plan and I'm the one figuring it all out, yeah, I don't have much change about it
2: (laughs) it's an exhibition game it's for the fans like it's not really worth it to me like getting mad at like the like down ballot all-star fan votes is like when people were getting mad at carmelo for winning player of the week it's like it's like it's like it's like like, yes did luca and harden both probably deserve it more than him yes but also like it's a player of the week award like who cares yeah i don't even think i don't even think they give out a physical uh trophy for player of the week
0: yeah and I'm pretty sure that's just something that is uh, decided by people in the front office they can kind of come up with whatever narrative whatever story they want to promote the league you know it's not as not uh, not as much about an accolade I guess as even the all-star voting in is and like you said that is something for fans it's more about who they want to see in there but you know someone like CJ I feel like it's not long ago where you look at his stats what he's putting up he would be an all-star or at least there's the question we can come back to this later when we're talking maybe some trade ideas uh, further in the episode but would CJ be an all-star in the east and is that something that even that itself is that something that, that would change possibly his uh his career outlook i guess none of that is huge and ty kind of like what you said uh when the blazers are losing he doesn't really have a chance to make the all-star game anyway so let's move on and talk about that part the blazers had been losing we had a five game losing streak uh so far the longest of the season i believe is what it was and those games if i pull this back up here we had a loss at home against the pelicans 102-94 then on the road at utah 115-21 LA at home, 128 to 120, Phoenix, 122 to 116, and New York, in New York, 117 to 93. I don't want to even go into detail on these too much. They are all in the past. You know, they're all last year. These games were so long ago. It was like a year ago that we played these games. Oh, my but... goodness. <laughs> I know I had to. Not the New York one. The New York one was in this decade. Okay, fine. Oh, yeah, we started New York on the horribly the wrong foot. Uh, but besides the new york game anything that stood out to you guys anything that you think is important that you want to hearken back to
1: uh i guess probably Scal got hurt during that losing streak um yeah they just they don't look good that's basically
2: where i'll put it (laughs) yeah i mean this team is just not that good right now like that's that's i don't like there's not really any other way to put it like other like, like, other than Damon CJ and, and you know M- Mello you know Mellow's had his good games he's had his bad games like it it it, it kind of goes up and down with him but like other than that like this team they're they're just not that good their defense isn't good they don't really have any depth and then losing Scow, like now you're basically like outside of the Mellow minutes at the power forward you're basically now back to you know where they were before they brought Mellow in where like now you're looking at like are we going to play Mario Hazonia are they going to play Nasir Little are they going to play like Anthony Tolliver? like it's just it's it's the team just like the roster just isn't very good and they like they're down bodies and the and they just don't have a lot of depth.
0: And beyond even the the lack of depth, like yeah, losing the skull, you basically have just white side really when it comes to a true center and not a whole lot of rotation even at power forward at that point. But something else we saw in New York was there's still not a lot of seemingly kind of decisive uh Maybe not even decisiveness, but there's not a lot of seeming authority as far as how to run the offense, how things are really supposed to be out there on the floor, because we saw in New York, everything was going through Melo. I understand that it was his return. Uh, He and Mario both work on on kind of their homecoming back to Madison Square Garden. But the offense was run entirely differently than what we saw in Washington last game. And we saw obviously a different result. Uh, is Is that anything that you guys are concerned about i guess is this something are we finally seeing maybe what everyone feared before Melo came in here was this idea that he is the black hole when the ball gets to him that the, uh, is just going to change the offense that we'll, of what we can run around him uh are is this something that concerns you more are we seeing it kind of like rear its ugly head in new york or is it more of something that was put away when we uh kind of uh did what did better in washington kind of righted the righted the ship with Damon cj running the show
1: I mean, I don't think, I think right now, Melo, when he gets like that, I think it's just because, I think it's just because where the Blazers are at with this season. I feel like if the Blazers were winning, he would almost fall back into a role. But I think right now he can almost have the mindset like, well, we're not winning games anyway, and. There's not much happening on the offense, so let me try and get a bucket because he just goes you know, whatever. To New
0: York and just goes New York on us. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that's just kind of how the season is going. I, f- I feel like if the Blazers were on a five-game winning streak, he would be not playing like that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just me thinking that way. But I mean, in that Wizards game too, uh, I mean, that was a game. I know they, they, I know that they won big at the end, but I mean, that Wizards team had nobody on it, and that was a game for <laughs> three quarters. That was, that was not good i mean it was glad that they pulled it out at the end and that's kind of something like i feel like when damian lillard and that's also maybe a problem is he's trying like he's trying every game he's out there putting up points he's out there like he's he's playing big minutes and they're still not getting the results needed so that's kind of a, a scary thing right now is if they're wearing down dame this year
2: well my, my thing with the with you know how much me- how much of it's going through mellow like what if, again you this goes back to what we were just talking about with the lack of depth you look at their uh, the rest of their roster and it's like who else are they supposed to like other than Damon CJ like do we, are we wanting them to you know draw up a lot of shots for Mario Hazonia? is that is that is that what we want them to do now like like there's just not a lot of options and you have a guy like Melo you know that you can give him the ball and he's probably going to find a way to score like that's the, that's not their worst option right now. And, that, and I think yeah, that just speaks like I think if Rodney Hood was still healthy, you know, he would be getting some of those looks uh, if you know, if you know, with, with Anthony Simons, you know, he's been kind of up and down It seemed like he's figured it out the last couple of weeks or so. And but, you know, maybe he'll get some of those looks at some point, but I just don't really know what options they have until they do something at the trade deadline.
0: Well, I, I'm not even really trying to say that Melo a bad option. I guess I'm just saying that watching the game in New York and then the game in Washington, the offense just looked so, it looked so different as far as using him as kind of a, a catch-and-shoot option. We've seen him pretty successful this season in a number of games where he's getting the ball on the wing, uh, and, and taking the shot when he's open because, it, yeah, it's mellow. He is one of the better options that we have on this team, especially now after the, all the injuries. But I just feel like when we were in New York, we saw a little more of him kind of thinking that he is the star of the offense instead of more of, of, of a release valve, of an option in the offense. And I just don't want that to be too much of the habit. I want that to be, okay, you know, if it happened because it was his return trip to New York, so be it. Fine, we had that one game, uh, and already we've seen them move on from that. But I just I'm worried that... Like you said, Ty, if because the team is not doing so well, if the team starts to have less focus, that's not going to help us <laughs> get any better. It's not going to help us get any more wins down the line as the season goes on if Melo is kind of turning this back into more of a retirement tour, even though he had kind of initially said that this was more about him being a piece in the system.
1: Yeah, um, I'm with you there. That is a That could be a downfall for the Blazers. I do think, I, f- I feel like Terry Stotts and I feel like Damian Lillard and CJ, I feel like they're the type of guys that who really maybe talked to Melo before that New York game, and like, hey, like this is your game. Our season's not going very well. So let's or let's go through you. So that's all I can is hope. So do is, your thing. Yeah. So let's just like maybe hope they were kind of maybe trying to get a feel good story out of it. And they that's fair. And then and, and honestly, I bet you they thought that could happen and they could still beat the Knicks. I bet you they were thinking that. <laughs> like we could still we could still are more talented. We'll let Melo do his thing, but at the end we'll have Damon C J pull it out and we'll be fine. But yeah, that didn't work very
0: well. Well, hey, at least we uh, we did see it turnaround in Washington, at least. We, we saw um, it wasn't Mellow's game that came back in Washington, but it was the Mario game. So that was kind of nice. At least this is a guy Mario's had. Let's actually talk a minute for the the break that he's had. He's had back issues, I think, was the initial report uh, of why he's been out and missed several games uh, in this last losing streak. But there's been reports. Some of the things that I've heard uh, from behind the scenes is that he is kind of being a little pouty, a little mopey, where he's, sitting away from the team at at meals he's kind of spending time on his own instead of kind of bonding with the rest of, the, of his teammates and hmm. it seems like maybe this is a situation where you could have a guy who is seeing that this was maybe his last chance to really get to really kind of cement his spot in the league and now he might be worried that because the team's not doing well because he hasn't had a good showing that he might be on the way out the door and Maybe he's just a young enough dude where he's not handling this too well. Sean, do you have any insight into any of this as far as Mario, the stuff that he's been dealing with off the court or anything that he's been dealing with that is kind of attributed towards his, uh, his, his, uh, lack of production recently. And maybe what turned around in Washington last night.
2: Well, I mean, I maybe, I mean, I think last night was might've just been kind of a one-off thing. Like we, nothing that we've seen out of Mario has pretty much this year has suggested, okay, this is a guy who needs to be getting more minutes, or you know, this is like like.
0: But last th- night looked so good.
2: <laughs> yeah, like you know, anybody, everybody's gonna have nights like that, you know, yeah. once in a while. But like, it's it it's been obvious this whole year, even before these recent back issues, it's been obvious that Terry has completely lost confidence in him. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't seem like he really. Like, I don't know what. Like again, they picked a guy up off the. Street, who had been out of the league for a year because Mario Hazonia wasn't able to fill those backup <laughs> power forward minutes after, like, he because yeah. he started a couple of games after Zach went down and it just it didn't go well. And so that's when they said, Okay, we need to add somebody else. And now I think they're still like are are looking at that spot and saying, Okay, we need to add somebody else. I don't know what is going to happen with uh Mario in the future, what his role is going to be. I will point out that he even it, it is for the minimum, but he does have a player option for next year, so that was some nice work by mm-hmm. his agent.
0: I did not realize that he has a player option, so he could be here next year, whether we like how he's played or not. Or they could just
2: cut him and eat the two million dollars or whatever. It's sure not it's a big minimum. of a deal. Okay. But yes, that was that was some good work by his agent, I would say.
0: Wow, interesting point. I, hadn't, I had not thought of that. And yeah, it is only a minimum, so we could cut him. But we have all talked plenty about how this team is pretty locked up when it comes to the finances and the luxury tax. So that extra two, two million is just a little bit more of uh, a you know, two million more of a ball and chain that the team would have to deal with if that's the case. Uh, so, you know, best case scenario would be that last night is not just a one off. Maybe we see a little bit more of him coming out of the clouds. Look, we've seen this from other players, other Blazers before. We've seen Batum in the past. And even more recently, we saw Mo Harkless frequently have issues with kind of his his mood and motivation, keeping his head up when he did when, when he was able to get his head out of the clouds and out of the, uh, the gray skies or however you want to put it. He looks pretty good. Uh, Hazonia last night we saw look pretty good, at least on a depleted roster when there's not many other options. I'll, I'll give you that. But And then uh, also uh,
2: the other thing you have to keep in mind too is that <laughs> the team, not, not even just the Blazers had a depleted roster, but like the Washington roster, like, like yeah. they have like five guys out and then Isaiah Thomas gets tossed.
0: You know, How about I mean, that
2: ejection into the, must- the game? I mean, I get I mean, I get it just for consistency's sake, like by like by rule, a player makes contact with the official, he gets ejected. I didn't I, I don't think it was like anything malicious, but uh, like, you know, I, I get they, they have to be consistent with it. And so they just they were like, oh, he made contact with an official, he gets ejected. That's just kind of the league rule.
1: had a rough think... stretch of like, our, I mean, for like a week for Isaiah Thomas. He got, oh, yeah. he got suspended for when he went up in, I think it was in Philly, when he talked to that fan in the stands. He got suspended two or three games, and then now he has this.
0: <laughs> Man, yeah, I didn't even, I hadn't even thought about that. That was that recently, too, though, too, wasn't it? Uh, the fan thing. Yeah. Man, uh, he he generally, I don't think has much of a reputation of being a troublemaker or or kind of a someone that would be a, a hothead like this. But I hear you, Sean. That it wasn't malicious last night when he was he wasn't going after the referee. No. But it was the kind of thing, in my opinion, and I heard Danny Morang talking about this on uh, on Outsiders last night after the show. It was the kind of thing where he was looking for a foul, kind of realized maybe the ref wasn't going to give him one. And on one hand, maybe Mello kind of pulling on the ball too helped kind of pull uh, Isaiah Thomas towards the ref, and he lost his balance or whatever. But I think, too, he kind of he laid the hand on him and then after the hand went on, and the ref starts to walk away, you could see Isaiah kind of grab the ref's uh, ref's wrist, like, "Oh no, no, no! You don't have to go. Like, you know, you don't do that if you hadn't done something wrong, you know."
2: Right. Yeah. I I don't know. It's, I don't. I don't know. I think. I, and then you saw he got a twenty five thousand dollar fine today. Really, twenty yeah. five. Yeah.
0: Which is, uh, is kind of
2: a standard fine. So I don't. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean and again like with the money these guys make. I it's uh, 25,000. Well, $25, hey, Isaiah I Thomas guess. is making
2: a minimum. He's not making
0: Oh, that's a fair point. <laughs> okay, so it's a little more of a chunk to, for him and especially after the uh the fine that he got for the fan thing a little while ago as well. Okay, yeah, not a good week for for IT, but hey, it helped the Blazers out. We finally got a win. We did not go to a six-game losing streak. We kept it at five. Hooray for that! I'll take any silver lining I can get right now. <laughs> Speaking of uh, of silver linings, I guess let's let's briefly touch on some injuries. Uh, we'll get to uh, you know maybe some some better news about them. But Sean, do you have any uh, any sort of updates or any sort of insight from us uh, as far as? Nas's, uh back or Skull's knee, have you heard anything as far as the second MRI that, uh, that Skull was supposed to get? Because I, I feel like they said the first one was inconclusive, which is kind of weird to hear about an MRI, in my opinion. But uh, any, any news on that that you've heard?
2: Uh, I think they're just kind of waiting for – they're getting a second opinion. I, I haven't heard anything about when they're going to do the MRI. I know he's not on this road trip. So he's, I think, still in Portland getting the, and he, he's going to get the MRI at some point. Uh, Nasir Little, what I'll say is that they just released the injury report for tomorrow's game against Miami, and Nasir is not on it. Really? So that makes me think that he would be available, pro- uh, probably, for that game. So you know, that, okay. I guess that I guess that's a positive. But no, I I don't know anything about Scal beyond what the team has announced, which is that they had an MRI and it was inconclusive. I will say that. Just purely speculatively, I will I will say that if it was an ACL, they would have been able to tell that on the first MRI. So it's you know that's I, a fair point. So like the the worst case scenario, I would say is probably not gonna come to pass. But I I don't know anything more than what's out there publicly.
0: No, that's fair. I I wasn't trying to even uh, pry out any uh, exclusive information out of you. More of just uh, asking, how about this? Let me phrase it this way. Does it concern you that they haven't released any new information? And I do like the detail that you're given there that if it had been the worst case scenario, we would have known by now. We would have heard about that because it would have been easy to tell. So maybe that is some, uh, some, some good news right there. But do you think there's any concern that with the fact that they haven't, you know, like you said, if he's not on this road trip, you would think the MRI would have happened by now are they just kind of waiting till the team is back or waiting till all Shea or someone can kind of give final say? Like what, what do you think the delay is for why we haven't heard more about it?
2: I can't tell you, like, I don't know when they're going to do the MRI. I don't know when they're scheduling it. I think it, I, I, I Just I I will say it's generally generally speaking, it's not good if they haven't if they just go this long without an update, because I mean, remember this, this happened with Zach Collins, too. Right. Yeah. He has a shoulder injury. And then he was like, I think it was like a week later that they said, okay this is what the deal is. And he's having surgery like there was like there was like a week where they just said, oh, well, you know, he's still getting examinations. He's day to day. And then and then it comes out. He's going to have the surgery. I. Yeah would say that whatever the case is, whatever the case may be, and I, I don't know when they're gonna announce something about Scal, I don't know when he's gonna actually have the MRI, but like, whatever the case is, he's gonna be out for a while. I wouldn't expect to get him back anytime soon either way, because if they had said, because even when, when Terry has gotten asked about it, they've just kind of said, uh, you know, the, 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 they've, just, they've just kind of said, well, you know, the MRI is, it, like, Terry has just kind of toned the company line. If they had said, yeah. if, if they had thought that like, okay, he's probably fine, like, you know, this is just a day-to-day thing, Terry would have said something about that, like that they would have, they would have, if, if, if they had thought it was going to be like encouraging news, they would have put something out there to kind of calm everybody down. I think the fact that they haven't really even like they, they just put out that the first MRI was inconclusive. They haven't put anything out since then. That's not great. Like Not good. <laughs> I don't know how long he's going to be out, but I would guess that they're probably not going to get him back anytime soon.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that is the worry, for sure, and that is uh, certainly the frustration, I think. Well, you know, I, I, I guess I I'll just hold on to the the small piece of good news, like you said, that is probably, hopefully, fingers crossed, not worst-case scenario, because that would have been something that would be easy to tell, and there wouldn't be much of a reason to hold back on that information if that were the case. Uh, Ty, unless you have anything to add, I'm going to turn the corner here and get towards some moderately, somewhat better news with injury relation, and that would be the idea that, Last we heard uh, from, from uh, uh, Shams uh, is that Nurk is targeting a February return. And suddenly, guys, it's January. We are here in January. We are right around the corner from February. It's not that far away. Do you think we're going to see Nurk before March? Do you think he could be coming back that quickly? Because, Ty, uh, Ty, you and I have kind of that over-under bet on, what, March 1st, I think, is where the line is? I think that's
1: what it's at, yeah.
0: So so what do you think? You uh, you feeling good or bad about this bet?
1: Um I'm feeling well no it's it's I'm kind of in the middle because I feel like now that the Blazers don't I mean I guess I guess I guess this like with this month of the season now like with January I guess it'll be a good telling point for the Blazers going forward but I feel like they won't rush Nurk back so I still think March 1st could be a good timetable but last or I guess our last show with with Danny Morang when he said that three game stretch after the all-star break, I think it's in the twenties. Like I think it's like 21st, 23rd yeah. and 25th or something like that. He predicted one of those dates. Um, and so that kind of has me a little worried and I think that's probably will, <laughs> I bet you that's when they will do it because also I think Nurk will bring a lot of life to the fan base and maybe, and maybe even to the roster. So they might try and get him back and see if he can't rejuvenate some juice back to this Blazers franchise.
2: Yeah, I have. I haven't heard anything definitive about when they're going to bring it back, and they've been intentionally very quiet about it. But if I had to guess, I kind of had, I would. My sense is kind of the same thing that Dan heard, which is those three games right after the All Star break. Maybe maybe they maybe late January they decide he's feeling well enough, or maybe right before the break. But if you made me guess, I would say that first game uh, back after the All Star break against New Orleans. But because here, like, here's the thing about Nurk, like, he's. You know, all that all that stuff, you know, he he gave that interview where he said he's feeling good and then they they put out the video of him running stairs at the arena. I think it was in Phoenix uh, that day. Like the team decides when injured guys are allowed to talk to the media. He doesn't he was under no obligation to talk to reporters or give any kind of an update about Mm, how he's doing. And the footage of him, you know, getting shots up in practice, the footage of him running stairs. That wasn't just reporters who happened to be there taking that video and tweeting it out. That that video went up on the team's official social media accounts, and anything like that that gets posted on the team's account has to get you know approved a few levels up. Like they can't just like put out any video, like because you know because like there's there's always like a whole lot of red tape that has to go into all that stuff. So the fact that the team is putting out this messaging that he's doing well and they're happy with his progress, like I would say that is trending more towards either right before or right after the all-star break that he might actually be coming back i don't think unless he has a setback with the injury which is always possible but uh it seems like his rehab is going well i would say it's probably going to be before march that he is back
0: all right fingers are crossed then that's that's something to look forward to at least in all the uh the dreary blazer news we've had to deal with recently but it is 2020 now it's a new year uh we we I've broken the losing streak and we could be seeing our Bosnian beast coming back at any time soon. So that is all good news. Let's uh let's look at some other uh, just perspectives or, or just potential things, some theoreticals that we could come up with before we let you go, Sean. And thank you so much for the uh, the time coming on here today. But I want to I wanna discuss some trades. Let's talk about uh just some ideas. It is kind of the trade season and we have some listener questions actually pertaining to exactly this from Double Beast at Apocalypse Plocks. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Never mind. We'll get back to Double Beast in a second. That was not a, a trade question. From uh, Berlacious M, at uh, Berlacious underscore M, what is the realistically ideal event that needs to happen with the Whiteside and Baysmore expiring contracts? So this is really where everything hinges for the Blazers right now. We have almost 40 million locked up between those two players. I think it's 27 for Whiteside and 17 or 19 for Bays. Is that right? Something like that? Uh, so between those two players, that is a lot of... Uh, a lot of value and a lot of uh, kind of essentially after the season uh, wasted space on our roster. If we get nothing coming back for them, Sean, what would be your, I, I as, as just put it, what is your real realistically ideal event uh, that would help us get uh, the most out of these two contracts?
2: I think the Kevin love thing is the one that makes the most sense when it comes to the White's ideal deal, because he's clearly unhappy in Cleveland. It doesn't seem like there's much of a market for him, because a lot of teams don't want to take on the contract, so I think you know for Whiteside just you know, for salary matching purposes, he's expiring. I think that's like the problem with him is like it's it, it's 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 an expiring salary, but it's a it's a hard salary to move because it's so big that teams would then have to send back a bunch of you know matching money. There's just isn't aren't too many guys in the league that make enough money for them to be able to you know send it back. So I think that. uh, you know, I think I think the I think the Kevin Love thing makes sense on a lot of levels uh, as far as Whiteside. Now with Baysmore, I he's a little bit trickier because he hasn't been so bad that they have to trade him. And honestly, if they don't trade oh, really? him, maybe they want to bring him back. Uh, you know, next year they'll have his bird rights. They can re-sign him for you know a lower number if they decide maybe he's a part of their plan going forward. Whiteside is going to be moved. I don't know what for, but he's going to be moved. Like he's not going to be on this team after February 6th. Like that's like that that's pretty obvious, but. Bazemore, he's a little bit trickier. Like if they decide not to go for Kevin Love, maybe Bazemore is maybe they, maybe Gallinari. Although Gallinari might not be available right now because it seems like Oklahoma City is trying to go for the playoffs when it seemed like they would be sellers a month or two ago. I don't know.
0: Well, and Gallo is another expiring contract, is he not? Is he? Not? He's another. Yeah, he is. With... Right, he is. But if
2: you if you trade for a guy and then you decide you want to keep him long term, you're going to have his bird rights, so you can go over the cap to re-sign him. That's the thing.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Yeah. So it's. It's essentially kicking the can down the road with the whole. I, I I get what you're saying. It's not a bad move, and okay. The you know I gotta say too about the Kevin Love stuff. I know Ty, you're probably over there smirking. <laughs> uh, Ty is much more on the Kevin Love uh, uh, train than I am. I'm not really convinced that he's the right move for us, but I, I agree with you that something has to happen with Whiteside's contract. Uh, I like what you're saying about Baysmore I you know I know he's uh, been someone that fans have had some uh, mixed feelings about so far this season. He was someone that I of the new players we brought into Portland, I really had high hopes for Bates. I thought he would really be a player that we could latch onto and hopefully have him here long term. So, you know what? I'm, I'm going to cross my fingers for that one. I'm going to hope that he could stick around maybe for another year and show up a little more for us and maybe kind of like find his niche. We do have one other listener question let me tie in real quick here. Uh, Ty, before I, I'm sorry, I know you're probably trying to jump in and get me on the Kevin Love stuff. Uh, Darth Wilson at Justin underscore B Leak. I've assumed Whiteside would be here only till a midseason trade came. I don't know why, but now I feel like he's going to be here here after the deadline. Is there any scenario where keeping him till the end of the season makes sense, besides Neil Olshay just not finding any takers for him? So outside of not finding takers, is there any scenario that it would make sense for the Blazers to try and hold on to Whiteside? No. Yeah, just flat out.
2: I mean, maybe Nurk has a setback, and he is out the rest of the year, and you just need a body at center, but I would be stunned if Whiteside was still on the roster after February
0: 6th. Okay, okay, yeah, so that, that's, I'm, I'm with you on that. And bite your tongue about Nurk. how dare you? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm with you, though. Actually, I'm, there I'm, was yeah. a
2: scenario. I
0: was, <laughs> it could happen. Yeah, no, that's fair, man. You're, you're good, you're good. You're answering the questions that is asked of you, and I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I agree. I For a long time, Ty and I have kind of talked about, well, hey, what about the uh, Twin Towers idea with uh, Nurk and Whiteside, if, if Whiteside really found his place here, but at this point, not going to happen. <laughs> okay well I appreciate that insight though um and, and hey while we're at it we only have three listener questions this week so let me get to the third one uh that I kind of jumped on before double beast at apocalypse plot was asking about nasir little seriously why hasn't nasir been more uh, seen more minutes you'd think he could be impactful since skull's injury? Uh, and also thoughts on the extra defensive practice. It seems like it worked for now. Uh, He's referring to right before the Washington game, the team had a uh, practice focused solely on defense, apparently. And yes, we won in Washington. I'm not sure if I'm going to credit a lot of that to defense. But uh, first things first here, let's focus on on Nasir. Other than what you mentioned earlier, Sean, as far as Nas not being listed on the injury report for the next game, that is good news. Uh, But any other idea why he wasn't getting more minutes, Uh, why he wasn't kind of like getting more of a role with the teams and what we've seen from him seem to be pretty positive so far. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, but he's a child. Like he's, <laughs> like he's 19, And also like, if you look at, if you look at Terry Stotts's history of, of with, with young players, like, like other, like, unless it was like Dame where it's like, okay, clearly this guy is good enough to start, you know, from day one, Terry doesn't really like to play rookies that much. You know, Anthony Simons barely played at all last year. You know, Zach Collins was in and out of the lineup, his rookie year, uh, you know, you know, go back a little bit further, Will Barton, Alan Crabb, those kinds of guys, like, didn't, like, even CJ, like, barely played. I know he had a foot injury for part of his rookie year, but he barely played his rookie. Like, Terry just doesn't like to really play rookies and trust them with big minutes. And a guy like Nasir Little, like, when they drafted him, it's not like they drafted him with the idea that, oh, this guy is going to come in and contribute right away. Like, they kind of envisioned, and I know this, like, from talking to people in the organization around the time of the draft and then that's in summer league, uh, in las vegas you know over the summer they've drafted nasir thinking it was going to be like anthony simon's last year where he was like not going to play that much at all and you know right just spend the year developing and getting better and and working behind the scenes in practice he's kind of been thr- if anything the the amount that he's played so far is way more than i thought he would at the beginning of the season like and he's had some times where he's looked good you know he you know he's brought some energy he's brought some rebounding but he also just like the the, the shooting isn't there like like He's not close to ready to have a regular role, just like on a a day to day basis on a team that's trying to compete for the playoffs. Like if they at some point, like let like let's say they eventually I don't think this is going to happen, but let's say they eventually decide to just pull the plug on the season and just say, okay, we're not going to worry about making the playoffs. Then maybe he gets a little bit more developmental minutes. I don't think that's going to happen. But as long as they're trying to make the playoffs, there's really not a lot of room for. A 19 year old who's very raw still and just, you know, doesn't really know how to play basketball at the NBA level yet. And <laughs> like like there's just there's just not a lot of room for a guy like that to get minutes. And that's just like I, I would I would guess if w- when we see a huge uptick in his minutes is going to be next season more so than this year. But like just just, you know, definitely be patient with him. He's not he's not ready right now.
0: That's fair. No, I I, I think you've a fair. Po- oh, sorry, Ty, were you starting to say something? No,
1: I'm just going to say I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of this year. I, I really am hoping that they just be patient with him and that they hold on, and that next couple of years he's someone that uh, can get into that starting lineup and take over. And also, real quick, since Keith did, or since he knows that I like Kevin Love and he made sure not to <laughs> include me on that conversation, uh, there was a going. report right before the pod started that him. Are, are that I think Love and and I think it was the GM of the Cavs got into like a verbal altercation when they find Kevin Love for being frustrated on the bench. They find him a thousand dollars, and then he went and and then he went and yelled at Kobe Altman. So got to keep that in mind. Did uh, you guys read
2: the full report?
1: I did not read the full report. No. An,
2: there was an incredible quote in it. Hold on, let me pull it up. Really? Yeah, okay. I
1: just read the headlines cool. of it and quick and quick little things that he was yelling in front of players and coaches at Kobe Altman like during a shoot around or something like that.
2: So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up. This is from Shamstrania and uh, Joe Varden at the Athletic. Uh, Saturday's exchange between Love and Alton was not the first. At the end of last season, Love raised his voice towards the general manager and Altman threatened to fine him. Sources said they heard Love say, Go ahead, I have plenty of money. <laughs> oh, I can totally hear Kevin Love saying that. That's tol- I mean, it's been obvious for a long time that Kevin Love is not happy in Cleveland because like, so when they signed him, first of all, you know, they've offered him a $120 million extension. I don't think anybody, I don't think any of the three of us, even if it's like not a situation, like I don't think any nope. of us is going to turn down $120 nope. million if it's offered nope. to us guaranteed. Yeah, like, that's no, just, a like that's so much money, especially when you're somebody like Kevin Love, where, you know, his injury history is what it is. And he's probably not going to get 30 million a year on the open market. If he was a free agent at this point in his career, like, so he signed the extension, but like, even like at the beginning of last season, they, you know, the front office wanted to. This is, you know, this is part of why Ty Lue was fired in the in, in the so early into the season was because, like, he wanted to, you know, play the veterans and, you know, be competitive and try to make the playoffs. And then the front office kind of wanted to rebuild. And I think I think Kevin Love feels like he was sort of misled about, like, because they, you know, what, he they signed him to the extension right after LeBron left, and it was basically a PR move because they could say, hey, look, LeBron left, but this guy is going to be a Cav for life. He wants to stay. And then, you know, now they go in this rebuilding direction. If you're a guy like Kevin Love, you know, he's still he's not the player he was four or five years ago, but he's still pretty good when he's healthy and he still has a couple of years left of his so called prime. He wants to be on a winning team and when he was maybe he maybe feels like he was misled into thinking, okay, we're gonna be a little bit more competitive than maybe they have been. I can understand why he wants out and I and you know, why he wants to get to a better situation. I just don't know. What the market really is for him, Like I don't know how many teams are willing to take on that contract. That's why I think it's not going to take that much for Portland to get him. Like I think if you give them Whiteside, basically just to make the money match and then throw in like a protected first or something, that probably gets it done because I think Cleveland,
0: we'll oh, just be, okay.
2: get off that money and look well, well i mean yeah that doesn't sound like it's very much but like who else is giving up that much for kevin love who else is giving up like a lot of picks and then having to pay him 30 million a year the blazers can do that because their window is right now like they're already paying dame a ton of money and cj a ton of money like even if they like even if they go into the season and like have let all their contract expire they're not going to have enough cap space to sign somebody and it's not like the blazers get a bunch of big time free agents so, like for to me it's like if you don't have to give up you know simons or zach or like any of the, like their young guys they see as like pieces going forward right yeah exactly who are they gonna sign in free agency for 30 million dollars a year that's better than kevin love
1: not nobody really that's what i've been saying for a while now he is a talented basketball player he's a good person he's yeah he's talented i don't think the Blazers can go out and just sign anybody like that and just bring him onto their team anytime
0: soon and, and yeah I, that he does have value, and that is a good point, actually. If we could get him, because I, I, that's really the kicker for me. I'm not like hating on Kevin Love too much outside of the price tag. What it would cost us to get someone who is a flawed player given the injuries and the the lack on the defensive end. But the the big thing would be the price tag. If it's only going to cost us Whiteside and a pick, I'm good with that. I just don't want to be giving up. Nas Little or Simons or Collins. I don't want to be giving up any of our young future talent here uh, to get him in here. And things
1: like this with Kevin Love coming out, I think this helps the Blazers not giving up those guys. Now that they see that he's frustrated now, there's no like, hey, yeah. like, like, yeah. hey, like, or like with Simons, like something like that. Like I think now it's like, hey, like you have to get rid of Kevin Love. So here's our best offer.
2: And I can just, I can just tell you that, you know, just just speaking from experience with this stuff, any, time something like this gets out, it got out because somebody wanted it to get out, and I, I feel like the most likely scenario here is that, you know, this stuff got out because Kevin Love's people are basically really wanting to make it known that he wants out, and they're basically trying to publicly put pressure on the Cavs' front office and say, hey, look, get me out of here, get something done now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's definitely, like... Like this, is, like, this is definitely, like, they're trying to basically, like, up the pressure for them to find a deal. And I saw, Mark, like, Mark Stein tweeted, like, a couple days ago that the Cavs are, quote, optimistic that they're going to be able to get something done by the deadline. But I'm just not sure what the market really, like, Like go around the league. How many teams are really willing to give up more than basically matching salary in a first-round pick to pay Kevin Love $30 million a year for the next three years? It, Portland <laughs> is, like... I think like Phoenix is one team that I've heard thrown around. Like I think they make sense. They have some salary, but I just I, I don't. I'm not sure. Still, like you know, m- maybe they can put something together. But other than Portland, I can't really think of anybody else where it makes as much sense for them to trade for Kevin Love. And if that's really the whole market, then they're not going to have to give that much up to get him.
0: You know, that's I like the optimism for that. I, I will say that I, I like the idea that we could get him from that low. And I'm with you. I don't think that I, I think that makes sense to. To get him at that price, I just man the the way it's been going so far, and I I am gonna wait and uh, I'm gonna wait and believe it when I see it. How about that? Let me ask you, Sean, one other trade-related question before we let you go. And thank you again so much for for hanging out with us today. Um, as far as C.J., we mentioned C.J. earlier, and on previous pods, we've had a lot of discussion about. You know, all, all the talk in years past about does CJ need to be traded? Is he, is he really kind of the prime trade asset that Portland has as far as value, something we could get in return outside of expiring contracts like Whiteside and Baysmore? If CJ were to be traded uh, somewhere to the east, it, you know, we, we mentioned earlier in kind of the all star discussion that he could have a better chance at being an all star over there. That is another question for another discussion. But as far as the trade value, do you see. Anyone in uh, in in the East? I, I'm I'm thinking as far as small fours, and that seems to be what a lot of the uh, the potential has been. Uh, instead of going after a power four like Kevin Love, someone that would be more of a, a small four that we could lock up long term. Names have been tossed around like Otto Porter. Uh, other people have mentioned Aaron Gordon. I'm trying to remember Ty. If you have any other uh, any other names we've heard about, but uh, Sean, I guess the question would be: Is there anyone out there that you think would be an ideal fit for the Blazers or is, is trading CJ, is that not even something that you think is, is that more blasphemy right now as far as a uh, uh, Portland's franchise and what they're trying to do?
2: Well, I wouldn't call it blasphemy because to me, the only guy that should be completely untouchable in trades is Dame. Like anybody else, you have to at least be willing to listen if there's an offer. Like that's, that's, that's sort of where I am with it, but I'm also in the, I, I'd say I'm kind of somewhere in between the, trade CJ crowd and the you can't trade CJ under any circumstances crowd. I don't think he should be untouchable because, you know, other than like Dame is the only guy that like you can't even under any circumstances think about. But like with CJ, like you would have to and I haven't really gone through and thought like these these specific teams and these, you know, these specific players, uh, these are some deals that would make sense. But if there's a trade that's a clear upgrade or that fills a need or, you know, give you like some clear, like if if there's a trade that makes sense, I think they should look at it, but it's also not the situation where I think, Oh, they need to break up Dame and CJ because clearly like the floor with those two is pretty high. Still. Like I still like, I still think the blazers like as bad as they've been the last month or so. I still think they're going to make the playoffs just because there are six good teams in the West and somebody has to get those last two spots. And I trust, and I trust Dame CJ and Stotts like the like the, the like their floor to me is higher than any you know some of these other like like I trust them more than like Phoenix or Minnesota or like any of these other teams that might... or Sacramento or like any of these other teams that might still be in that mix like like we know that like if you keep Dame and CJ together and they don't have the, you know the rash of injuries that they've had this year that's at least a playoff team and if you're at a market like Portland like I know the you know there's this talk and I know Dan Morang is big on like oh they need to just completely tear it down and you know start from scratch and try and and tank like, there are worse things than being the Memphis Grizzlies in the grit and grind era, where you're in the playoffs every year and you're competitive every year. Or like the Hawks when they had like Joe Johnson and uh Al Horford early on. Like like, you can you can be you know there there is something to be said for you know staying around and staying in the mix, and then maybe like like last year you know they catch up they catch some breaks and go to the conference finals. Like I am not like I I'm not so you know against the idea of keeping CJ at least from you know a perspective of what they should do like. I think it, you know, it it would make sense to keep him but I think if they get an offer or if you know if they comes to the point where like they it, there are other things they should look at like I think they should be open to it. I just I don't think that, you know, I but I don't think it's anything that's going to happen anytime soon. I certainly don't think it's going to happen at the deadline. I could be wrong. I mean, the only guy that like is absolutely zero chance any that will get moved under any circumstances is Dame.
0: Yeah, that, that's fair. And I'm I'm with you on that too. I, I think I think Ty and I both agree that Dame is really the only untouchable. I think for the most part they're not trying to make too many uh big roster changes at this point but yeah I, it sounds like the 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 big take is that we could see white side definitely white side possibly white side and bays moved before the deadline but anything more than that especially something like cj more like, I'm not, like, like, I'm, not, like I'm not
2: saying that there's a possibility because right, right like, but like let's say that like let's say that washington wants a package centered around cj if they eventually decide to move bradley beal
0: Sure. Yeah. Okay. Like
2: something like that that's a clear upgrade for the Blazers or something that make like something like that that would make sense for them. That's right. something you have to be, you know, open to doing. But, you know, that that's really the kind of like, like the 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 other thing about CJ, like he makes so much money that it's not like you can trade him for you have to send you have to make the salaries match. And that involved Portland either taking on someone else's bad contract with a younger player who like is has more upside or you know, somebody who is as good as CJ and is making as much money as CJ and that the other team wants to, like, like there's just not that many deals out there for CJ that are make sense and are realistic. And that might be something that could actually happen. Like that, that's the problem with like, you can say in a heart, you know, in a vacuum. Yeah. They, they should trade CJ or they should do this or they should try to get this. Like so many of these, these things are just kind of fun to speculate on. Like not, not most of them are not realistic.
0: Well, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And again, getting back to shout out to Berlay M hey! with the, uh, realistically ideal events i think i agree i think that at this point trading cj is not ideal it's not something that we're trying to push for uh and i think we've both been on the on the page as well that it's we'd rather keep him around here in town but i think it has been a discussion that has kind of reignited recently with just the idea that he could be with the limited assets that portland has he could be one of the the big values if we were looking to make a big swing uh on the trade market uh but ty unless you have anything to add i i feel like we uh should should respect Sean's time and, and let him get out of here.
1: Yeah, I am yeah. I got nothing to add.
0: All right. Well, uh, <laughs> well, well, thank you, Sean. And if listeners had anything to say to you, if they wanted to reach out to you, what is the best way to do so on social media?
2: Uh, you can just follow me on Twitter at Hyken, at H-I-G-H-K-I-N. That's just my last name. That's my Twitter handle. So you can just follow me on there.
0: Thank you, man. Well, Sean uh, from Bleacher Report, we appreciate your time and all the insight. Uh, we'll have you back on soon. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be back in a moment to finish out the episode. But first, shout out to Clearly Speaking, uh, Brenda Nuckton over at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. You can go to her if you need any help with being tongue-tied like I am getting, uh, speaking too fast like I often do. Many other things. You can She can help you. Go and speak to Brenda Nuckton at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. We'll be right back with more Trailcasters. Welcome back. Thanks again to Sean Hacken of Bleacher Report for joining us. Uh, Ty, we have a little bit more to talk about here before we get out for the night. Uh, Didn't really say too much before, man, though, but just, you know, I I threw it out to the listeners, but I want to say to you, happy 2020, bro. Uh, Oh, yes.
1: Very happy 2020.
0: We've officially been doing this. I can't believe we made uh, it. It's wild. (laughs) Yeah, we are. Man, uh, I saw something (laughs) the other day on Twitter. This is kind of funny where uh, someone says, man, uh, just think. If someone born this year turns 80, they'll be alive in the year 3000. And it took me a solid 10 seconds to be like, wait a minute. No, no, that is bad math. You are wrong. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they're, just, they're just trolling, just trying to catch people at it. But yeah, they, yeah. they almost caught me because uh, I'm dumb.
1: There, so. It was close. Pretty you close. Know what
0: I'm, you know what? I, uh, when I am not dumb, though, has been in the fantasy league, bro. I've been making good moves. Uh, I've been rocking it for the most part. I had a, a rough loss uh, the other week to my brother. Hey! Uh, I you know, in fact how about this all the weeks where I'm kind of chiding the other uh, teams in our league the other owners for not setting lineups last week on Monday somehow I always set my lineups like every Sunday I set it for the whole week Somehow on Monday, I had two dudes on the bench, and I was 50 points down against my brother. Uh, thing is, he ends up beating me more more by like 130 points, so it wouldn't have mattered in the long term. I'll take it. But hey, overall, I'm 6-4. and four. I'm pretty <laughs> happy about it. And right now, I'm beating up on uh, Chris Burkhart. Shout out to him. Hey! Uh, Greg Oden's raven is not doing so well against how could you be more uh, So hopefully, I'll be 7-4 at the end of this week. But how about you, Ty? How's your team looking over there?
1: I am 3-7. Uh, and seven. Struggling a little three and bit. 3-7? Oh, man. Uh- our uh, our oh, leader, you you are the
0: Trailcasters host, bro. You got to be more representing the, the the squad, the league here. What you doing?
1: Our captain, our leader, <laughs> Mister Kyrie Irving, has not been oh. playing. He's got a shoulder oh. problem, so I had yeah. that. I had Gordon Hayward. He broke his hand early in the season. I oh, dropped geez. him, and then someone <laughs> decided to pick him up while he was still hurt. I don't understand why, because I was going to pick him up. So then I had to. <laughs> figure out a new thing and now i'm i mean i'm rolling with like Yaka portal and kai bowman man i got Seti osman on my team oh man uh i do have kendrick <laughs> nunn ben nice. macklemore so i mean i'm having to find some fillers so once maybe Kyrie decides he, his shoulder's all right but he's been out for i don't even know he's been out for like for like the whole year
0: yeah, no, he's been out a while. I think Sean mentioned that, too. He went down pretty early in the season. No, I, I hear you, man. I'm giving you a hard time, but it's this is what, especially in a 20-team league, this is what happens, dude. I had a while where uh, Eric Bledsoe and Clint Capella, my two top draft picks, both were down. Bledsoe, I think, missed, uh, what, two weeks recently? He missed, like, eight games or something yeah. like that. Uh, and, yeah, that gets scary. You, you can lose games quick when, you, uh, when your top producers are not working out so well. I've gotten lucky with some bench pickups. I saw someone dropped a while ago, uh, Dwight Powell. Uh, uh, center for Dallas and you know, he's uh he's not getting all the minutes in the world But he's getting like 24 to almost 30 minutes a game and he's putting up good numbers I, I gotta say how about this one thing that I like with the modifications that we made to the league as far as the, the point score settings It makes it in my opinion uh, Anyone out there that any of you other league owners that are listening to this uh, can let me know if I'm wrong But I think this makes it a lot more balance for yeah You have the stars who are gonna put up 30 40 fantasy points each night but you have other dudes who it's not impossible for like Torian Prince to have a similar game. Uh, he's just not going to do it quite as often, you know. So you can you, you can be a little more flexible as an owner. I feel like you can make a little more moves and kind of pick someone up uh, if you're paying attention to when teams are getting hot, when they have the right matchup uh, that they're going against. So you know, hey, you over there with your three and seven, all hope is not lost, sir. Don't despair, Ty. You can still uh, you can still pull this off. You can win. And I know at least we have one team in the league who is. Uh, let me make sure I'm right here checking the standings, but uh, I think we had one who is still winless. Yeah, unfortunately, Babbitt's Bad Habits is over there at 0-10. We are halfway through the season, and they are essentially the Washington Wizards of uh, of our NBA fantasy league. So uh, shout out to them, Babbitt's Bad Habits, uh, and you know all the rest of you guys, all the other. 17 owners out here besides uh, Babbitt's Bad Habits and Ty and I. Appreciate you guys playing, and please keep setting the lineups, keep having fun with it, and let us know if we can do anything uh, to help out. And uh, if you have any complaints about the, the scoring system, send those all to Ty. Uh, so, okay, that's enough fantasy ball. Let's talk about real ball. Ty, uh, what's the games for next week? Uh, we've got, I think, four lined up. Is that right, as we finish off this road trip?
1: Yeah, they play the Heat tomorrow um, on the 5th, January. Then they play the Raptors in Toronto on the 7th. Uh, the Timberwolves in in Minnesota on the ninth, and then they're back home on the 11th playing the Bucks.
0: Okay, all right. So three road games and a home game against the Bucks. I'm not excited about that home game right off the bat. I can no. tell you that. But let's start with Miami. How are you feeling about tomorrow's game in in uh, down in sunny Florida? Uh,
1: not good. Uh, the Heat have been very good at home. Heater. Uh, pretty good squad this year. Uh, I've been betting on the Heat quite a bit and made pretty good amount of money on them so far this season. They're killers against the spread, um, means they cover their guest line. So if they're three point favorites, they they win a lot of games by four or five, six, so they cover the spread. I'm um, not feeling too good about it. Uh, the Blazers going in against the Heat after the email. they beat the Wizards pretty good. Uh, Wasn't the best performance, so playing the Heat tomorrow uh, worries me. The Heat are five-and-a-half-point favorites right off the bat, which is a little – kind of shocked it's a little low. Um, But, uh, yeah, the Heat are five-and-a-half-point favorites, and I expect them to cover that, so –
0: you expect me to cover that? Okay. Yeah. Ugh, that's a tough one. I've
1: gotten very, um, just very down on the Blazers, as if you all can tell by my my attitude and demeanor. <laughs> well, man,
0: look, we just won a game, okay? We just had a, a good, solid win. We righted the ship. Everything is good with the team now. Forget all the injuries. All The in- nothing. The injuries are to blame for nothing. They uh, they have certainly no bearing on how the team is playing. <laughs> we, have a, we won a big game, and we're about to win another big one tomorrow. Yeah, okay, that's about all the enthusiasm I can muster for that. Uh, no, I'm with you. Miami probably covers the five and a half. What's next? What's the next game with uh, Toronto? How we they play the Tuesday?
1: Raptors. They play the Raptors. There's no line set for that. Uh, traveling to Toronto is always not fun. You got to go through customs and all that. I think people just, I mean, it's its little weird things like that that I think really get road teams. Um, and it'd be the second game of the, tr- no, they're already on the trip. They played the Wizards and they played the Knicks. So it's, uh, what, fourth. it's the fourth game of the road trip. So that's that can get pretty Pretty yeah. tiresome, especially. It really depends how that heat game goes. If they go in and they have a close one, they lose, and that might give them some hope going in. But then, then the problem is, is you're tired because you wasted a lot of energy. in it, but if you get blown out, then you have to fly to Canada next, which then your demeanor is not very good. So, <laughs>
0: um,
1: I would expect Toronto probably to open up about the same four and a half, five and a half point favorites.
0: Um, you know, what, they are a lot like of hurt. Sorry, let me interrupt you real quick. Something else we didn't mention about the Miami game, and you there kind of touched go. on there, uh, is uh, uh, Miami, the city. Not even the team itself, but Miami, the city, has a pretty good record, pretty good reputation against teams. So, with the Blazers, as we come in here after a win, you know, we we come in like excited after finally breaking the losing streak. We go down to Miami, and some of those players might be having a little much fun. Well, real right quick, now, I really
1: guess we, I guess we're we're kind of forgetting is this is a ho- a white side return game.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. I totally forgot to... uh, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, this is a so the same way that we had a Melo and Hazonia return to New York, we've got Whiteside going back to Miami. That could get interesting. So do you think that fires him up more or less? Do you think we see more production? I feel
1: like Whiteside... I feel like we could almost have the same problem we had with Melo and with the Knicks is now Whiteside's with Miami. Look what I'm doing, and let me shoot. Or maybe not. Or maybe he'll try and do what he's been doing, which has been successful. He's been putting up crazy stats. And so maybe he will try not to do too much, but... I bet you Whiteside will try and show out, and he. I wouldn't be shocked if, when he gets to Miami, if he's out on about on the town that night, going and revisiting some yeah. of his old places he misses, and so, also so get a, and we get to see Myers Leonard, so that'll be fun.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's let, let's wrap all that up though. Like you're saying, is and as far yep. as like what I was saying with the city of Miami, uh, you've got Whiteside returning to Miami, probably gonna maybe maybe showing the other Blazers around town a little bit. You've got Melo. While he may not be on a retirement tour officially, he certainly is enjoying himself. And he and Damon CJ are all kind of like, they enjoy the high life. They enjoy a good Saturday night. Plus, they're going to be seeing their boy Myers down in town there. This is a recipe for the Blazers not playing very sharp tomorrow. Yep. Okay, so again. All that in the past, you're saying you don't expect it to go much better Tuesday in Toronto because after all that partying in Miami, they got to go up through customs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, fourth game on a road trip. What do yep. you think the line was for Toronto? You think about the same? I think
1: I think about saying four and a half, five four points. Half. I'll, I'll say four and a half, and I'll say Toronto covers that as well.
0: Uh, okay, okay. I will say Toronto probably wins it, but I'm going to say it's close, and Portland does Portland or Toronto does not cover. Portland makes it a close game. Uh, so this way, at least I can taunt you when I'm right next week. Okay, what's the next go. game? we go. I like it.
1: Ah, la, la. I don't know. I just dropped my thing. What did I say? They play the, uh, Minnesota. the Wolves. They yeah. play the Wolves. Minnesota. Um, Minnesota's been kind of off this year. Carl Anthony Towns hasn't been playing. Uh, there's a ton of Blazer connections on that Minnesota team, which is just so funny. We have right. Vanderpool. You got Jake Lehman, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley. Um, I think... Uh, man... I think the Wolves will probably be favored by like a point, just because they're home maybe, and it, and I think I think it kind of depends like if if Wiggins plays or if Towns plays. Uh, let's just say two points for Minnesota. I'll say the Blazers cover that. I'll say they'll they'll get a win in Minnesota.
0: Yeah, I, I th- oh you think the Blazers get the win in in Minnesota?
1: Yeah, I think they'll I think they'll steal one.
0: Sweet. All right. Cause I, I thought at first you were saying that you, th- oh, so you're saying you think Minnesota will be favored, but Blazers pull off the, the game there. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, th- I like it, man. Okay. Well, you know what? Uh, gosh, I want to argue with you. I, I want to debate, but I got to just go with the the smart answer here. i I think I agree with you. I feel like, uh, uh, I would like to get the win in Minnesota. I was talking with a uh, sage the other night, shout out to him from Holy backboard. Uh, he was saying without cat and Wiggins, wolves have been a top five defense and you know, they're going to score on us. Uh, like, kind of like what you are saying as well, that there's, those top stars have not really been playing the best, but the role players underneath are looking pretty well. And honestly, you mentioned the former Blazers. Former Blazers when, when they play against us, that's been one thing that we've had a lot this season, is the former Blazers, when you've played their teams, have not been there for the teams. They've been out on injury or, yeah. or just not showing up. But if the Blazers do sh- uh, former Blazers do show up, they tend to play pretty well against the team. So that could be a tight one. But yeah, let's, let's eke it out. Let's get a win in Minnesota, <laughs> and we come home on Saturday, bu- right? Oh,
1: we play the Milwaukee Bucks.
0: Oh, yep. that's whew, that's a way, uh, hell of a homecoming. A uh, tough way to come back for it. Uh, Bucks have been pretty healthy too, right? I don't think there's been too much. Yeah, uh, that would be the one thing you could say about Toronto. If we we're gonna have any more hope on the rest of this trip this week, Toronto has had its injury issues, and so maybe yeah. if we can pull one off in Miami and not party too hard, we could go up there and do well. But yeah, either way, you come home, you're facing the Bucks next Saturday.
1: So the Bucks probably open up as seven-point favorites.
0: Seven, giving them a big one.
1: Yep. Oh and boy. I'll i say they cover seven. <laughs>
0: oh you <laughs> asshole. I'm such an a <laughs> okay. hole. That's me. Uh, no, okay. Okay, you know, I can't Say everything I've been saying, and, and then say that the Blazers are going to pull off the win. But I will say the Blazers do not allow the Bucks to cover it. It's going to be uh, there. We go. You know, uh, we've done this a lot so far this season too. The Blazers have had a lot of close games. Uh, I think a lot more so than blowouts. At least f- we've had uh, obviously some battle losses in the middle here, but at the start of the season, more so recently, I think it has been a lot of uh, of close lineups. So let's uh, let's not revert back to that five uh, game losing streak. Let's keep these good habits going from the Wizards game and move on forward. All right. Like it. Speaking of moving forward, God, we are in top form right now after taking two weeks off for the holidays. I love it. Uh, I'm all holding my mic upside down. I have no idea why. Can you see that on the camera? I love it. Right? I, I love it's it. Just, just rocking it out right now. It's uh, a good fit. <laughs> but rocking it out. Speaking of uh, rocking it out and moving on all those segues that are not working for me today, we had three questions coming in from at Apocalypse Blocks, at Justin B. Leak, and at Berlacious M. Thank you all for writing in, you guys. We really appreciate it. You all have a chance at winning one of the basketball cards from Ty's TC Card Van. Oh, man, you know, I got in that hashtag. I didn't even get my win loss, or tie earlier. You got lucky this week, sir. That's okay. <laughs> all right, I'm going over to random.org. Put in one through three for the three questions, and it is... Number one, question number one was Double Beast at Apocalypse Plocks. I know that's not the uh, order we were out on in the episode, but you heard me go to him first. That's when they came in. So numerically, Double Beast, you are the winner, sir. Congratulations. Uh, Ty, do you know what card you have from this week? Do you have one picked out?
1: Uh, Yeah. um, I don't have it next to me, but it is a Myers-Leonard card. Since we're going to play the Heat tomorrow, we'll give give it a Myers-Leonard Blazers card.
0: Excellent, also, excellent.
1: all the past winners, if you have not received your card, you can hit me up on Twitter, and I will send it to you. Or you can contact us at Trailcasters with your address, because I still have a good stack of cards that people haven't contacted me for winning yet, and I'm too lazy to find you and <laughs> and then I'm too lazy to find you on social media, and then so ask if you, and then and then figure out that you know you're a winner, and then figure out what your address is, stick it in an envelope. I mean, it's a process <laughs> for me, so you got to help me out a little bit. If not, I get a hold on to these cards. So.
0: Hey, look. I mean, if you're not listening to the episode and don't know you won, that's that's your problem. That's not on us. No, it's okay. on you. In, in all honesty, even over the holidays here, this is when we probably should have gone and looked up and kind of done all the backlogs. But guys, listeners, we will get caught up. We will come back here and uh, and catch up on all the records. And you know. The other side of this too, if there's a bit of a delay, don't don't rush yourself too much. Uh we're working on some other surprises that we will get sent out there with the cards as well. So maybe some stickers, some other fun stuff for you. And hey, any of you listeners who have gotten your cards, feel free to let us know that you want some of those stickers as well when you hear us talking about those. If you hear some other merch, man, you you are you're grandfathered into the system, okay? So let us know write us those questions, those those thoughts about the games, any sort of prop bets, any sort of, uh, you know, over-underlines, if you have any more of those you want to send in. I want to get some bets going in here, Ty, about not just the score of the game, but kind of what we did with Danny last uh, two weeks ago. I almost said last week, but last episode. With Danny, we were talking about, uh, you know, uh, the cumulative point totals between both teams, or maybe even we can say like, who's going to get more rebounds, who's going to have more steals a certain game. Uh, getting into some really odd and awkward ones, but We'll get more of that going. But listeners, yeah, if you have any of those to submit to us, all of those things, you can write us where, Ty? Where can they send us those uh, those questions?
1: At Trailcasters.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, Yes, at Trailcasters. You can send me uh, anything as well, at Rip City Keith. You can talk to Ty at Ty Delbridge, and you can always hit him up for cards and bug him for all sorts of things from the hashtag card van or hashtag card garage at TV Sports Cards. Uh, Ty, if they're going to send us any of those emails, where would they send us those emails to?
1: They can send us emails at trailcasters at gmail.com.
0: That is right. And any of those podcasts that they're listening to, any of those podcasters like iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere that you are finding your podcasts, what are we always looking for? Five stars. Yes, sir. And the music you are listening to right now from Odar. Shout out to Odar and all of his support. Where can they find these beats?
1: SoundCloud.com slash Odar Beats.
0: Shout out one more time to Clearly Speaking, Brendan Nuckton over at ClearlySpeakingOregon.com for all of her support as well. And shout out to you listeners. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Ty, as always. And thank you, Odar, for those fat beats. To our sponsor, Clearly Speaking, and to our guest, Sean Hyken of Bleacher Report, for joining us today. And, of course, thank you listeners for a great listener. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. And please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. Sweet.